Well, I'm honored. I am honored and blessed to be with you. And I count it an honor not just to be with you, but to be in the presence of an amazing church, Christ followers, the greatest city on earth, Wellington. Is that right? Is that that's pretty accurate? That's okay. so naive of me. I thought it was Stockton, California. But but here we are. And then to share the the podium with great pastors just heroes and just voices that are shifting atmospheres around the world with Pastor Craig Rochelle and Pastor Chris Dorso. Please give it up for just amazing pastors. Heroes. People that I admire, that I look up to. And, and then, of course, y'all happen to have, I don't know what you did right, you know, who prayed for you, your mama, your daddy, whatever, how y'all ended up the best pastors on the planet. Give it up for John and Jillian Cameron, please. I'm really excited to be here. Now, this message I'm going to share before you're seated. I'm just going to ask one question from you. If there's anyone here who has ever missed their turn in life, I'm speaking figuratively speaking, metaphorically, prophetically, relationally, financially, in church and ministry and life. If you've missed at least one turn, you look back and you said, yep, I missed it. If you've missed at least one turn in life, raise one hand. If you've missed a couple of significant turns, raise both hands. Matter of fact, you've missed so many, you've lost count. Raise both hands and a foot. If you have missed so many turns that if I right now speak to Siri, mention your name, Siri will automatically respond, rerouting. <laughs> then this message is for you. So what if I tell you that after tonight, by faith in Christ, biblically substantiated, what if I tell you that after tonight, you're not going to miss your turn again? What if I tell you that that there's an encounter with Jesus that will secure the fact that you will not miss your turn. No matter of fact, you will be next to see the fullness of his purpose and his grace and his glory and his gifting and his mercy. So before you're seated, I just want you to greet one person, the one you like the most, and tell them, believe it or not, you are next. Greet someone else who you barely tolerate and tell that person, believe it or not, you are next. You are next. You are next. You are next. You may be seated. Pastor John, don't go anywhere on me. I, I'm, this is going to be really awkward. I just don't, just do you mind? It may be my last invite, but we're going to just, because, okay, just don't go and, por favor, quédate donde está para hacer algo contigo aquí en este lugar, en esta plataforma. Sí, nombre. Que, que viva la raza, que viva la revolución para siempre. What did he just say? Don't ask. John chapter 5. Here it is. Here's the biblical narrative. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem. For, don't go anywhere, Pat. I'm going to need you. And, and I have abandonment issues, by the way. After, mama? All right, stay right there. Just don't, okay. So afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porch waiting for a certain movement of the water. For an angel of the Lord would come from time to time and stir up the water. The first person to step in would be healed. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. This guy was paralyzed, lame for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked the man, would you like to get well? You think? What a question. Would you like to get well? 38 years paralyzed, Jesus shows up 
and asked, would you like to get well? Verse 7, one of the most incoherent responses in all of Scripture. It makes no sense. I can't, sir, the sick man said. If I ask you right now, if you want a caramel macchiato, your answer should be one of two. Yes or no. Jesus asked a man, do you want to get well? Do you want me to heal you? His answer should have been yes or his response is I can't. For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else gets there ahead of me. Jesus, so he tells him, no, I can't. I just can't. It's not within me. I <laughs> Jesus told him, I love this. Stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. Now, but is the quintessential grammatical disruptor. Growing up in my generation in America, we had something called, you didn't have this in New Zealand, we had something called Schoolhouse Rock. And there was a song that went, conjunction, junction, what's your function? So, but this miracle happened on the Sabbath. Let me share with you what the Spirit of God placed in my heart for you today. But it happened on the Sabbath. Hello to Daystar. Hello, Marcus, Joni. We absolutely love you. But it happened on the Sabbath when, that's a little commercial injection right there in the middle of the message. <laughs> Brought to you by Kellogg's. Here it is. <laughs> but, but it happened on the Sabbath. Don't wear stripes on television. But it happened on the Sabbath when God makes it happen when it's not supposed to happen. The subtext would be, you are next. Tell someone you are next. But on the Sabbath, number one, beware of a proud. Pastor, let's illustrate this, Pastor John. Let's illustrate this. I need a paralyzed man. And, and can you help me out here, George? All I want you to do, just to illustrate this, because it's, it's, it's very prophetic. And, and I said prophetic, not pathetic. And it's very prophetic. All I want you to do is just lay there. Lay on your back. Relax. Can I get you anything? <laughs> Camel macchiato. Very applicable. Stay right there. So just right now for this, this is the pool of Bethesda. You're right next to the water and, and you're paralyzed. And you've been paralyzed for 38 years. Biblically speaking, we're, we're not privy to how long you were next to the pool. The Bible doesn't mention that. We know you were lame and paralyzed for 38 years. You have any questions thus far? Good. No, very well. Okay, good. On the Sabbath, beware of paralysis. The condition is paralysis. And to be paralyzed is to lack mobility and action, to be in a perpetual state of stagnation. And every single person here and watching right now on Daystar, believe it or not, we have all been paralyzed. Not physically, but spiritually, emotionally, financially, relationally, at least for a moment, a second, a nanosecond, we've all been paralyzed. Maybe you received a call that paralyzed you. A text message that paralyzed you. A DM that paralyzed you. Maybe a doctor's report that paralyzed you. A spiritual attacking, whatever it may be, we have all been paralyzed. If you've never been paralyzed, not even for one moment, please, I need you to run up here because I want to worship you. We've all been paralyzed. 
And what gets paralyzed? Paralyzed integrity, paralyzed faith, paralyzed dreams. There are destinies that are paralyzed. And there are family members. You may have family members right now that are paralyzed. Paralyzed ministries can suffer paralysis. Paralyzed anointing, joy, peace. Paralyzed future, paralyzed worship. Paralyzed by what? What paralyzes us? Paralyzed by sin. Sin paralyzes. Paralyzed by failure. By fear, the past, shame, religious condemnation, self-pity, a perpetual victimization mentality, paralyzed by erroneous thoughts, by abuse, by broken relationships, by unforgiveness and unbelief, paralyzed not just by failures, but paralyzed by past successes, paralyzed by dependency issues. Let me explain. Verse 7, when Jesus asked a man, do you want to get well? He said, I can't. I don't have anyone that will put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. We are paralyzed by dependency issues. When we depend on others for our joy, when we depend on others for our faith, when we depend on others for our spirituality, when we depend on others for our integrity, when we depend on others for our salvation, our deliverance, or our breakthrough, we will suffer paralysis. We can't depend on others more than we depend on God. Psalm 62 verse 5, GNT version says, depend on God alone. Some of us are paralyzed by the constant need to be affirmed and validated. Like, 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 Paralyzed by fear, a fear of windows of what you see in the outside world, a fear of mirrors of what you see within yourself. Paralyzed by permitting others to define us, by embracing descriptors and nomenclatures that do not emerge either from the spirit or the word of God. Paralyzed by hype, hyperbole, which is a fancy word for exaggeration, hyper-victimization, hyper-sensitivity, hyper-tolerance for everything even if it's not truthful, and hyper-intolerance to moral absolutes and truth and grace and love. Paralyzed by the opinions of others, paralyzed by identity moratorium. The greatest thing paralyzing humanity right now is this thing of identity moratorium. If you don't know who you are, you will be paralyzed. If you have no idea who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you, you will be paralyzed. The moment you discover who you really are in God and who God is in you through Christ, paralysis will come to an end. So I need to ask you, who are you? What defines you? Are you defined by your past? Are you defined by your circumstances? Are you defined by what others say about you? Here's the great news from what took place on the cross. Jesus defines you. What does this mean? It means that you're not defined by what surrounds you. You're defined by God's spirit inside of you. You're not defined by your circumstance. You're defined by his covenant. You're not defined by the hell you're going through. You're defined by the heaven you're going to. You're not defined by your failures. You're defined by his forgiveness. For all of my Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, brothers and sisters, you're not defined by the likes of many. You're defined by the love of one. And for all the religious folk in the house and watching right now, you're not even defined by what you do for God. Put a smile on your face, baby. You're defined by what God already did for you. 
You're defined by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're defined by Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. If Jesus defines you and your family and your home and your marriage and your calling, give him the kind of praise right now that lets him know. That's what defines you. And, 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 and parenthetically speaking right now, I need you to understand that's individual, but corporately speaking, we suffer corporate paralysis. Now let me speak to the Christ followers. As a church, there's a segment of the church, sectors of the church that lay paralyzed because we, we, are, we are, how can I place this? We as Christ followers, we need to know who we are as a church, man. We need to rise up with clarity and hope and love and grace because there's an attempt to marginalize and, and just define us as just an echo chamber of mutual affirmation that gathers on Sunday mornings and define us as some sort of another institution in society or whatever it may be, a feel-good apparatus for the spiritually impaired. Um, some people call us an antiquated conduit of a set of irrelevant values no longer applicable in the world of Netflix. And, and how how we respond will determine whether or not in New Zealand and across the world, whether or not in this generation, light overcomes darkness. So we need to know who we are as the Ecclesia. So when we're asked, we must respond with clarity, conviction, and courage. We, we have to do this, man. We're not just anything. We need to know who we are to push back on ecclesiastical paralysis, which means what? When they ask us collectively, who are we? We're not just anything. We are the light of the world. We are a city on a hill. We are people of the word. We are salt and light. We are the most loving institution on planet earth. Are you with me right now? No one should love more than the church of Jesus. No one should speak truth more than the church of Jesus. We are disciples. We are witnesses. We are apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We are children of the cross, fruit of the empty tomb, and product of the upper room. Let me tell you what we are not, and this breaks my heart. We are not Google. We're not Microsoft. We're not Ford. And we're not even Starbucks. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And the gates of hell shall not, will not, may not, cannot, no way, no how prevail against us. We are the church. We are the answer to this broken world. We are the bride of Christ. We are the church. But on the Sabbath, God confronts your present, speaks into your future, while demanding that you let go of your past. When Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time. And he asked the man, would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? And the man says, are you ready? You're awake? <laughs> would you like to get well? And so I'm going to preach to you here. So the, the spit anointing doesn't impact your life. So it's, it's happened on occasion. So he asked the man, would you like to get well? The man says, I can't. This is, this is unbelievable because the answer is incoherent. Jesus never asked him if he could. So parenthetically speaking, hey, sunshine, this is obvious. You can't. If you could, you wouldn't be there in the first place. 
Not only is your body paralyzed, your thinking is paralyzed, your faith is paralyzed, your spirit is paralyzed, your everything is paralyzed. It's not just a physical condition, it's a spiritual, emotional, cognitive condition. You are completely paralyzed. By the way, you're a narcissist. You said you can't. Hey, get over yourself. It's not about your ability, it's about my anointing. It's not about your potential, it's about my power. So Jesus looks at him and says, Jesus easily could have dropped the mic and walked away and said, there's too much unbelief, can't handle this, can't do it. But the next thing Jesus does, praise be to God, the next thing he does changed everything. Because instead of giving up on the man, he said, I can't. Jesus could have given up, should have given up, but he didn't, he stuck around. How many are glad here that he stuck around? He stuck around. He said, I can't. And then the next words from Jesus' mouth. He looks at him and says, stand up. Now, this requires us to do Greek exeget on this. The phraseology of standing up there, this is not what Jesus said. Do your biblical due diligence, please. This is not Jesus saying the following. Sir, if there is enough bandwidth within your current reality, to vertically engage yourself in a posture of mobility for the purpose of reinforcing the words that come out of my mouth. It would be much appreciated throughout eternity, amen and amen. <laughs> Jesus never said, if you can find it within yourself, listen to me carefully, please find an iota of faith, pretty please, and stand up. Jesus didn't give a supposition or a proposition, and it wasn't Jesus recommending him to stand up. No, Jesus ordered him right there to stand up, I, you missed it. The man just said, I can't. Everything in him said, I can't. Yet Jesus demanded, ordered, he commanded him. The Greek exeget is a command. I'm trying to break something down for you. This guy, Mr. Sunshine, he didn't have a choice. When Jesus ordered him to stand up, he spoke to his destiny and he bypassed the drama. Your destiny your, this is the right day. Your destiny needs to tell your drama to shut up. Are you with me right now? You've got, I'm preaching to five people right now. You've got to get to a place where your destiny is much more powerful than your drama. When the promise is much more greater than the problem. Are you with me? When your future is way larger and greater than your past. So he spoke to his destiny, bypassed the drama. In other words, you want me to address your drama. I'm not going to address your drama. I'm not. I'm going to speak to your destiny. I'm going to tell your destiny to stand up and leap over your drama. That's, that's what's going to happen. That right there. In other words, I'm not here to touch your circumstance. I'm here to transform your life. I'm going to go something beyond that. Why am I telling you? all of this this is why are there any questions <laughs> this is it he tells him stand up the man had no other choice why am I telling you this pastor John and why are you on the mat because right now when I when I we're gonna illustrate this and it's not a cute sermon illustration isn't that adorable no it's a prophetic act so I'll tell you what the Spirit of God placed in my heart the moment I tell you to stand up just like the man you're going to stand up. When you stand up, every vestige of paralysis will come to an end right here, right now. What if I tell you right here, Wellington, what if I tell you, everyone watching right now on days around the world, what if I tell you today is the last day you will be paralyzed for the rest of your life? 
What if I tell you that your faith will never be paralyzed again? Your family will not be paralyzed again. Your future will not be paralyzed again. Your integrity will not be paralyzed again. What if I tell you your joy will not be paralyzed again? Your peace will not be paralyzed again. What if I tell you your praise and your worship will never be paralyzed again? What if I tell you today is the last day you will suffer from paralysis for the rest of your life? So we're going to do this. When I count to three, I want you to stand up. This is a short sermon. We're going to get right to it. You're going to stand up. I'm going to tell you what, again, this happened at Christ Church, and it happened again in the green room. So in the green room, I added with the Spirit of God, not in the notes, not scripted. Uh, it's what God gave me. The moment you stand up, the church in New Zealand will stand up. Now, I want you to hear me, and I don't mean the church will, the church collectively, the church in New Zealand will stand up. When you stand up, the anointing that destroys the yoke will stand up. When you stand up, the grace that is sufficient will stand up. I feel the Holy Ghost as I tell you this, man. When you stand up, perfect love that expels all fear will stand up. And above all, when you stand up, the name that is above every other name, Jesus, will stand up. Which means when you stand up, every devil, demon, legion, principality, and power of darkness will have no other choice but to flee in the name of Jesus. Are you ready? Are you ready? Musicians, come up here quickly. We're done. Are you ready to stand up? So it's not just a little sermon, man, when you stand up. It's, this is time for the church with truth and love to emerge. Standing up this process. I don't care how long you've been paralyzed. The moment he stood up, Jesus made him next. He missed his turn. So many, on so many occasions, he saw others come in. Jesus comes along and he makes him next. I need you to raise your right hand. You are next. I'm here to tell you paralysis comes to an end right here, right now. So we are paralyzed, not just by self-inflicted wounds, what we do to ourselves out of something called choice, free will. But we are paralyzed by the actions of others. And we're paralyzed by this crazy little thing called life. Life. Sometimes life paralyzes us. What if I tell you that in Christ, paralysis comes to an end? I'm speaking to everything that has held your dream paralyzed, your hope, your destiny, God's ordained purpose for you. I don't care if you did it to yourself or others did it to you or life just brought it about. It's not about how you ended up there. I'm here to tell you an authentic encounter with Christ or the power of his Holy Spirit will prompt you to stand up. In Jesus' name, you will never be paralyzed again. I'm going to say that one more time. In Jesus' name, you will never be paralyzed again. Let me say that one more time. In Jesus' name, you will never be paralyzed again. Let, let me share with this. I, I, there was a Discovery Channel program on National Geographic where there was a program where I saw that, and I, it changed my life. I wrote about it in the book. There's, 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 I saw a lion. There was this lion who was just out there doing his thing, getting food for his kids. And all of a sudden, he was ambushed by a bunch of hyenas, and the lion was wounded. And the narrator say, now we have the lion, and it looks like he's paralyzed. Matter of fact, the narrator says, he looks mortally wounded, like he's not going to live out, he's outlived this. And they show the lion, and the lion, let me use a theological term, he was jacked up, discombobulated. So he was bleeding profusely. He was out here. They showed the line. They did a close-up shot. He was paralyzed. And I mean paralyzed. And I mean paralyzed. As a matter of fact, he couldn't put up his head. The narrator says, and you know that little narrator voice? He cannot lift his head. 
It seems that he doesn't have the ability. He's lost the ability to open up his arms. His paws and his claws are no longer functional. The, his little babies were here. And then they showed a bunch of a new pride of hyenas coming this way to attack him. The narrator says, this will be the final attack, inevitably. And they're not only coming for him, they're coming for his children. So they show the hyenas coming in right to attack his kids, assuming he's paralyzed and he's about to die. All of a sudden, this changed my life. They show this paralyzed, dying lion who couldn't lift up his head, couldn't lift up his paws or claws, but he had one last thing in his arsenal, the final thing. They got really close to the kids, and all of a sudden, the lion that was paralyzed had one thing, and he unleashed this broken roar. And, and it was a roar. It wasn't the most eloquent roar. It wasn't even the loudest of roars, but it was a roar nonetheless. The moment the lion unleashed his broken roar, every single hyena, every single enemy fled without exception. They did not touch his children. And the narrator said, oh, aren't we surprised? Aren't we surprised? And the narrator says, He's, it seems like he was paralyzed, but watch. The narrator says this, the enemies of the lion know very well that as long as he can roar, the enemy cannot take away what belongs to him. Is there anybody here in Wellington that knows that while you can lift up the name of Jesus and while you can call out the name of the Lord, I don't care how paralyzed you are, the enemy cannot take away what belongs to you. Are you with me? And by the way, it includes your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. Is there a roar in the house coming from a people? Let's do this. Pastor, are you ready? When you count to three, when I count to three, you will stand up. I don't want you counting. I want me counting. You will stand up. And when you stand up, it's going to happen, man. Paralysis comes to an end. I've been there. I was there. I've lived it. I've lived it. I don't care how many times you've missed your turn. One more time. Raise your hand. You are next to see your family saved. You are next for the harvest. You are next for the breakthrough. You are next for the healing. You are next for an encounter with the power of Christ in you, with you, and through you like never before. You are next to see the glory of the risen Christ. You are next to see goodness and mercy catch up. You and your family are next. Let me say that one more time. You and your family and your calling and your church and your ministry are next. So pastor, get ready. This is the church in New Zealand standing up. This is the church around the world standing up. Out of this amazing nation, this church will stand up and not just change New Zealand and not just change this part of Asia but change the world. Are you ready? One, two, three. Stand up, Pastor John. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up and be holy. Stand up and be light. Stand up and preach the word in and out of season. Stand up and make disciples. Stand up and worship God and spirit and truth. Stand up and quench the thirst. Feed the hungry. Mend the brokenhearted. Stand up and do justice. Stand up and love mercy. Stand up. Walk humbly before God. Stand up and change the world for the glory of Jesus. Someone give God a shout of praise.
you are. You are. You stand up. This is prophetic. Put your hand right here on this. The look one like a beza. This right here is what paralyzes us above all. The thought process. The thinking. Renew your mind daily. I take every single thought into captivity. Right now, in Jesus' name, your thoughts will no longer paralyze you. Your actions will no longer paralyze you. Your interactions will no longer paralyze you. Your reactions will no longer paralyze you. From now on, from now on, you're never going to visit. By the way, I'm sorry. Jesus could have said, hey, you're walking. And he could have walked away and said, you're standing up. This is the church prophetically standing up. You're standing up. He, Jesus looked at him and said, pick up your mat. So do me a favor. Pick up the mat. Put it over your shoulder. People forget their mats and then other people trip over the stuff they left behind. Picking up your mat, it's a prophetic act. It behooves all of us to pick up our mats. Because if he would have left the mat behind, there would have been a sense of expectancy that one day he may very well return to that place. I want you to get this. The moment you pick up your mat, everyone here is going to pick up their mat today. Everyone watching is going to pick up their mat today. Your kids are not going to trip over your mat. Your children's children will not trip over your mat. Your descendants will not trip over your mat. You're going to pick up your mat. Are you with me? That's your testimony. If it's there, that's your trial. If it's here, that's your testimony. Trial, testimony, trial, testimony, trial, testimony, trial. Testimony, trial, testimony. The moment you pick up your mat, woo, the moment you pick up your mat, you tell heaven and hell, you tell your followers and your haters, and more importantly, you tell yourself, I don't live there anymore. Somebody shout, I don't live there anymore. Tell your neighbor, I used to be I'm not who I used to be you don't live there anymore I dare you to raise your hand you picked up your mat repeat after me I don't live there anymore say it like you mean it tell yourself say I don't live there anymore repeat after me I don't live I don't live in the past anymore I don't live in sin anymore I don't live in failure anymore I don't live in anxiety anymore I don't live in depression anymore. I don't live in defeat anymore. I don't live in addiction anymore. I don't live in bondage anymore. I don't live in abuse anymore. I don't live in shame anymore. I don't live there anymore. 2 Corinthians 5.17 The old things are passed away. Everything is made new. Philippians 3.13 Forgetting what is behind me. You don't live there anymore. Don't let anyone or anything try to push you. Ha-ha. Surround yourself with people that push you towards your future and not your past. Surround yourself with people. Not those that remind you of the hell you went through, but those that remind you of the heaven you're going to and the purpose of God in your life. You don't live there anymore. You don't live there anymore. You're not who you used to be.
you're not who you used to be. So he picked up his mat. He'll pick up your mat. And then where's, where's, where's your wife? Come here, sweetheart. Come here. Come here, Pastor Joe. You're going to do this. And then all of a sudden, you're going to do this together because this is very prophetic. Hold hands with this former paralyzed man. <laughs> Y'all look this way here. And this is the next thing Jesus does. But on the Sabbath, beware of paralysis. But on the Sabbath, God confronts your past, addresses your present, releases your future. God tells you to stand up. But on the Sabbath, he tells you to pick up your mat. On the Sabbath, he tells you not to pick up your mat. Not only to pick up your mat, he could have walked away there, said, you picked up your mat, deuces, but he didn't. He said, now start walking. You're going to walk. I'm going to tell you why you're going to walk. I'm going to tell you why you're going to walk. When we were in the pastor's meeting a couple of years ago, I talked to you about this small thing that I went to in California. Let me remind you. My wife has an addiction for shopping. I'm sorry. I said that wrong for Daystar. My wife has an anointing for shopping. <laughs> you redeem the narrative. It's all about terms and nomenclatures that really apply. So... She and my, my, my Wells Fargo bank account bears witness to the fact that she's anointed for shopping. So I drop her off in our mall at Roseville Gallery in Northern California, next to Sacramento. I drop her off. As a good husband does, I park the car. I drop her off because she's bougie like that. So I, I drop her off and I have to park really far away um, because she's Puerto Rican and she's dangerous. <laughs> so when, when, I, when I drop her off, she gets off and she walks through the mall. And, and, and she doesn't touch any doorknobs. Where we, where, we, where we drop her off, there are no doorknobs. It's just the doors open up. So I'm here. I parked the car far away. The mall doors are all the way back there, right? I get off the car. And this is, this is my pace of walking. This is my pace. My pace is I'm walking. And the doors are closed. But I don't slow down. I keep on walking the same pace. I'm going to the parking lot, and I keep on walking. I get on the sidewalk, and I continue to walk. I don't slow down. The doors are still closed, by the way. Because I know that I know I'm certain that there's a sensor that will inevitably read my presence. And the moment it reads my presence, those doors will have no other choice but to open up in my favor. What am I telling you? What I'm telling you is today, you're going to start walking. I don't care how closed the doors may be. You're not waiting for an open door. There's a door waiting for you to walk. For you to walk by faith and not by sight. For you to walk driven by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And the moment you walk in the name of Jesus with the power of God, the doors will open up in your favor. So I need you to get ready to walk. So you too, all I want you to do is just join my hand and we're going to walk. Because as we walk, doors will open up for the gospel of Jesus to reach every single family in Jesus' name. So walk with me. Walk as goodness and mercy follow us. Walk as signs and wonders and miracles and works and deeds follow us. Walk as you walk, the glory of God will shine. As you walk, the power of God will be made clear. As you walk, Christ will be exalted in every city, in every community, in every campus, in every church, in every ministry. Walk, 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 walk. If you believe it, give God one more shout of praise. Lift up your hands. So walk, man. You're waiting for a suddenly. Stop it. There's a suddenly waiting for you. Walk. Walk believing God for his promises. Walk. 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 God spoke to me when I was 14. 14, an assembly of God church. 
parents are not preachers. God told me I was going to pray over presidents. Presidents. That's, by the way, he spoke to me, not just to my heart. He spoke to me through a manifestation of the gift of the Spirit publicly. And people were there to bear witness to it. One of the people that was there bearing witness is a young lady who saw it and said, if this is accurate, I'm going to marry that boy. And 29 years later, that's my baby girl, man. She married me. So I'm 14. I have no connection to the White House. And how did Samuel Rodriguez from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania end up by the grace of God in the words of Pastor Craig Rochelle in the sermon? How did I end up advising three different presidents of the United States when doors were closed, when for Latinos it wasn't a thing, when, when for this kind of Latino it wasn't a thing, for the kind of this cuckoo for Cocoa Puff Jesus freak Latino it wasn't a thing. And then the doors opened and they continued to open because I, he told me to walk. He told me to walk. He told me to walk. I'm in the White House one day. I'm in the White House one day in one of the corridors, in one of the gatherings, and there was a little bit of a confrontation which, because I, 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 I believe in biblical worldview and the love of God and the truth of God. So someone basically, in a de facto way, parenthetically speaking, asked me, who gives you the right to be here? Obviously, it wasn't the president. He invited me. But someone in the periphery uh, who didn't have the same worldview said, who gives you the right to be here? So why am I mentioning that? Remember the paralyzed man? So walk with me. Both of you together. Stop. He encounters a religious person. Read it. Right. The religious person looks at him and says, do your biblical due diligence. It's beautiful. He says, who gives you the right, right. to carry that on the Sabbath? Yeah. Dude, the guy could have said, dude, you're walking. But he didn't. Because religious people always get upset when God uses those they deem unqualified. Are you with me right now? God's going to use you in spite of what you went through, in spite of what happened in your past. The blood of Jesus washed you. God's going to use you. You're going to surprise a lot of people, man. And one of the greatest comebacks in all of Scripture is right here. The man looks, the, the paralyzed man looks at the man who's asking the question. He says, you're asking me who gives me the right to carry this? Here comes one of the greatest comebacks ever. The one who healed me gives me the right to carry what I'm carrying. Hey, New Zealand, one day they're going to ask you, who gives you the right to praise the way you praise? Who gives you the right to pray the way you pray? Who gives you the right to worship the way you worship? Who gives you the right to believe what you believe about Christ being the only way in eternity? Who gives you the right to teach your children what you teach your children about love and hope and faith and mercy and that the image of God lives in every human being? You're going to tell them, who gives me the right? Let me tell you. The one who saved me, the one who delivered me, the one who healed me, Jesus gives me the right. Jesus gives me the right. Jesus gives me the right. Lift up your hands. But it happened on the Sabbath. It happened when it wasn't supposed to happen. God will make it happen when your flesh says it's not supposed to happen. God will make it happen when your past says it's not supposed to happen. God will make it happen when your bank account says it's not supposed to happen. God will make it happen when you say 
It's not supposed to happen. God will surprise even you. And he'll make it happen when it's not supposed to happen. So I need you to believe with me. This is the last day that you will suffer spiritual paralysis for the rest of your life. Your faith, your integrity, your joy, your peace, the truth of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. With both hands raised. So pastors, as we have our hands raised here, paralysis comes to an end. And today in Wellington and all around the world, we, by faith through Christ, we have the courage and the wherewithal, the spiritual fortitude driven out of the womb of God's grace and mercy today to stand up. Whatever broke you or attempted to break you, I want you to hear this. The enemy attacked you not because of the foolish things you did in your past. He attacked you because of the glorious things you're about to see in your future. Some of you have been through intense warfare. There is a spiritual world out there. It's a reality, undeniable. There is evil. There is a battle for your soul. There is a, there's a battle for your family. Some of you have had just attacks in your family. I need you to hear this. In Jesus' name, God's about to turn this all around. Now, I want you to hear this. You won't even have to worry about your children or your children's children. Because as you stand up today, picking up your mat and start walking, the blood of Jesus covers your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. Final note for you, and we have eight minutes and 42 seconds. I'm going to ask someone to respond here in a second. There's a breaker anointing when you stand up. This guy broke through the paradigms of religious norms and constructs on the Sabbath carrying the mat. How dare he? Unbelievable. Ends up in the temple. Jesus encounters him. And the rest is history. I want you to hear me. You guys are going to walk. And there are three things that are going to happen here. You're going to, it's the Micah 2.13 anointing. You're going to break in and occupy every single area hell has fought to keep you out of. I'm going to repeat that. You're going to break in and occupy every single area hell has fought to keep you out of. I'm going to say that one more time. If you're listening right now, this is for you. You're about to break in and occupy every single area hell has fought to keep you out of. And you're going to break out out of every single negative, precarious, adversarial, hostile, opposing, antagonistic circumstance. And you're going to break through and shine the glory of Christ in you, with you, and through you like never before. Here's what we're going to do. If this word was 187.1% for you, and you believe this is the last day you'll be paralyzed for the rest of your life. If, this, if, you're, if you know that you know this word was for you because you were paralyzed, you were stuck, and you're saying, God spoke to me never again. My family, my faith, my future, my integrity, my hope, my love, my joy will never be paralyzed again. When I count to three, I want you to come out of your seat somewhere. I don't care how packed it gets, but just show God you're no longer paralyzed, that you're walking in the word. Number two, if you're standing up and you left your mat behind, you're going to pick it up in Jesus' name. You're going to pick up that testimony. And if you ever pass by someone who is on a mat, don't act like you've never been through anything. Pass by and prophesy to them and tell them in Jesus' name, Stand up. Stand up. And if you've been waiting for doors to open up 
and you've been waiting. Now you know there's a biblical instruction. All you have to do is walk by faith and not by sight. Walk driven by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Galatians 5.16. You're going to see doors open up in your favor. When I say now, you're going to do this. Look up here for a second. A few years ago, I prayed at the inauguration of the, of the, the current occupant. I've served three, three presidents, so I'm not a Republican or Democrat. I'm an independent Christian. I'm not married to donkeys or elephants. I'm married to the Lamb's agenda, which is Jesus. I'm married to Christ. However... However, my participating in the inauguration for the current occupant of the White House prompted a number of things supposedly to close. And, and they were opportunities for us to be able to exhibit the love and truth and grace of God in a different platform on secular television. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God hit me and said, do not be paralyzed, keep on walking. I kept on walking. Inevitably, what took place was way bigger than what originally was planned. And we ended up producing a movie with 20th Century Fox that has hit the world and impacted millions of people with the gospel of Christ. It is the first, it is the first major motion picture. Do your due diligence on this. It is the first major secular motion picture where the main character is the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. All I'm telling you is keep walking. So when I count to three, if it's for you, stand up, pick up your mat, start walking. One, two, three, do that right now. Go, go, go quickly, quickly, quickly. Stand up, pick up your mat and start walking. Paralysis comes to an end. Never again, never again. Never again, never again. Never again, never again, never again, never again. Never again. Your family, your dream, your destiny, your purpose, your faith walk, your spirituality, your communion with heaven. Never again, never again. Never again, never again, never again, never again, never again, never again, never again. Never again, never again, never again. Never again, never again, never again. Lift up your hands. This is the last day you will be paralyzed. This is the last day your faith, your family, your future will be paralyzed. Your joy, your peace. Oh, stand up. Stand up and be holy. Stand up and be one. Stand up and be light. Stand up and walk in the fullness of God's purpose and plans and promises. Stand up. Stand up. Your destiny needs to tell your drama to shut up. Your purpose needs to tell your problem to be quiet. Your future needs to tell your past, good luck catching up. Stand up. Stand up. And if the critics say, who gives you the right? Always remember that if their, <laughs> if their praise did not make you, their criticism cannot break you. With your hand raised, repeat after me. I received this word. As for me and my house, today, today, I stand up. Every vestige of paralysis comes to an end right here, right now. I stand up. I pick up my mat. I don't live there anymore. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not where I used to be. 
I'm not how I used to be. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I start walking. I walk by faith and not by sight. Driven by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Under the covering of the blood of the Lamb. Today, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. That's all I want you to do. That's all I, now, now watch this. Here it is. If it's possible, there's a lot of people here right now. If all possible, I'm going to ask you, and I sense God in this place. If it's possible, you're, just, you're so just jammed in together. This may be logistically impossible. But if all possible, when I say now, is it possible for you to squat a little bit? Practice. Go ahead. Try to find some place to squat. Beautiful. You can. Work those calves. All right. All right. Stand up for a second here. Let me show you what we're going to do. When I say now, work those calves. So when I say now, all I want you to do is to squat. When I say one, I want you to stand up. When you stand up, some of you need to stand up casually. And some of you need to stand up abruptly. Because all of hell try to keep you down. And you want to demonstrate that the things that kept you down will never be able to hold you down again. The lid is coming off your purpose and your destiny and your joy. So when I say now, you're going to squat. When I say one, you're going to stand. When I say two, you're going to go like this and pick up your mat. That's your testimony. Pick it up. And when I say three, you're going to take one step and start walking and watch the doors open up in your favor for the glory of Christ, for Christ to shine through you and others to come to the knowledge of Christ as Lord and Savior through your testimony and your life. So one more time, when I say now, you squat. When I say one, you stand up and some of you should jump up. When I say two, you're going to pick up your mat. When I say three, you're going to take one step. And when you take that step, you're going to give God the kind of lion roar praise